great to be here with you guys. Um, as Pastor Kyle said, we uh, work, my wife and I work with the Pregnancy Help Center, and we also have a ministry in town called King's Treasure Thrift Store that helps support the center. Um, uh, any shortages that uh, don't come in through donations, uh, we're able to make that up through the store, and so we appreciate you know, the different donations that come through and all that. Um, the bigger organization over uh, the Pregnancy Help Center is an organization called Youth with a Mission. And uh, Youth with a Mission, and I know, don't be looking at me saying you're not part of Youth with a Mission. You got gray hair. Uh, but Youth with a Mission started actually back in 1960. And it started to give people an opportunity to experience the mission field with the hopes of maybe getting them involved long term. And uh, you guys had a bunch of missionary, a bunch of YMI missionaries running around here last week, uh, painting your fellowship hall, and um, they kept, they continue to send teams here because they, these guys are getting trained. Um, but my wife and I are youth of the mission missionaries that have been sent to Alamogordo to be here long term and invest in the community. And the Pregnancy Help Center is one of those uh, investment deals, and we work with the families in uh, Otero County. And we like to say that we're, we're investing in tomorrow's families today. Um, but a lot of these uh, young ladies, I don't know if you know, but 52% of all the children being born in New Mexico are being born to single moms. Now that's not, I'm not putting down single moms. I'm not saying that you know everybody's wrong. I'm just saying that God's design through scripture, what we see in scripture, is that children are brought into a committed family with a husband and a wife where they're committed and saying, we're gonna stay with each other uh, no matter what happens in life. Uh, and I'm so grateful because when my wife and I got married, I was thinner, I had much more hair, uh, and she stayed with me even though I've lost all that and gained some others. Um, but that's the context that God wanted to start families in. Now, can he, continue to work and do great things even though it's outside of his design. Yes, he can. And that's the one thing about the Pregnancy Help Center is we want to help each of these young girls that come in realize that God hasn't given up on them. Uh, we can't do anything about yesterday. We can do everything about tomorrow and we can start today. And so we want to offer them his hope and his future for tomorrow. He's not looking down on us. He's not, if we sin, he doesn't come in with a stick and, okay, You've done it now. But he realizes that we're, we're frail. And he comes in and he says, you know what, I want to help. Uh, th this isn't the end of the road. And we've seen it happen so many times, over and over, where a single mom has come in, she's, had a, she's pregnant, and there's destiny released to that child. And we're going to talk about that some today. But the Pregnancy Help Center has been in Alamogordo since 1987. My wife and I have been here uh, doing this ministry since 2004. Um, the outreach of the center—it worked before, didn't it? I wonder if I clicked it off. It worked really well. It always does. You know, it always works when you're okay. Can you hit that next slide? We'll go through it. The outreach that happened here in our community for uh, uh, 2016, we saw about 269 pregnancy tests. 
And then uh, we also have, we have a mentoring program. The pregnancy test actually is just a spearhead to help bring girls in uh, that are in an unplanned pregnancy, that are in a situation that they need help. Um, then we go into a mentoring program. We offer them a mentoring program to help them get ready for the next steps. If they want a single parent, if, they want, if they're planning to marry the boyfriend, we encourage them to come in. Uh, what does that mean to, to get married? What does it mean to parent? What does it mean to uh, bring up a child in today's uh, day? Are you ready? Uh, we also do some adoption things and look at them. A lot of the, what we try to do is not steer them and go, well, this is what's right. Because really, when it's a parenting thing, I don't know what's right. But God does. And what we try to do is connect them with their father and say, you know what, God's going to help you walk through this decision. So that's what we do in our mentoring program. The cool thing about the mentoring program is we also do an earn while you learn program. So each time they come in and do a, a session and they fill out the homework and do all that stuff, we know that they're paying attention and they're getting something out of it. They earn block bucks and they can go in and buy stuff that they need for their baby for maternity clothes. They can uh, get baby food they can save them up and get a crib or get, um, you know, all kinds of things that are going to help them. And so that's kind of what we're trying to do in the mentoring program is give them tools, but then also give them uh, rewards for doing that. And then we had, um, we did about 94 ultrasounds this year. And the great thing about being able to offer ultrasounds is if you have a girl, um, and, and we get a lot of girls that come in their own events. I don't know about, you know, saving, having an abortion or not. Uh, I don't know if that's the direction I'm gonna go. 80 to 85% of the time that that girl on the fence sees that heartbeat and she sees that it's not just a fetal tissue, it's not just something laying in there, but she sees the fingers move and she sees the arm move. She, she realizes, you know what, this isn't just um, an, an impersonal implant in my uterus. There's something going on in there. There's something alive and happening. And so 80 to 85% of the time they'll change their mind. And uh, sometimes we don't know if they do or not. Uh, we had a gal came in about two years after she got an ultrasound, and she came in with just a beautiful little girl. And had this big pink bow in her hair. And she said, you know, I was so glad that I came and, and saw that this wasn't just, you know, a gallbladder <laughs> in there. But it's, it was really a human being. And looking at her now, you just see the beautiful destiny in front of you that God has. Okay, go to the next one. Seeing brings urgency. And what I want to do today is just talk about and help us maybe see what's going on. Um, abortion became legal in our land uh, 44 years ago, next Sunday. And the reason why it's kind of, uh, what day is it, is next Sunday is actually the anniversary of Roe versus Wade, where abortion became legalized. But it's usually, typically, the Sunday before that. So that's why there's kind of a mix-up. But next Sunday will actually be the, um, the, the anniversary. Um, how many of you guys, I'm 53, how many of you are younger, or 53 and under? Okay, how many of you are, so I was 10 years old 
when Roe versus Wade became law. So I didn't know anything. I wasn't aware of it, had no concept. I had no concept until I was 18, so it's about eight years later, and that's when I gave my life to the Lord. So eight years from 53 would be 61. How many people are 61 and younger? You're under 61. No, I'm kidding. So, either, either that or you hold it really good. Uh, but anyway, the majority of us probably had no clue what that was. And we've lived with it all our lives. We've just lived in that area. Uh, you know, lived where it's been legal. When number 16, it, it goes through this, this whole story, and I'm just going to kind of readers digest it for you. But in number 16, there's a guy that approached Moses and he said, hey, or actually 250 leaders approached Moses and said, you know, we don't think really you're the leader of Israel. You know, we, we think you're probably, you know, you just kind of make yourself up to be a prince. And, and the reality is God is here with all of us. And so why should you be the only one? And Moses fell on his face and he said, no, let's let God choose between us. And so you leaders, you go and get incense and, and put them in your, your bronze uh, censer and let's see who God picks. And the next day, what happened was basically was over a thousand people were, the earth opened up and they were consumed with fire because they attempted the war. Well, the next day, all of Israel came against Moses. And he said, they basically said, look, you killed those people. What are you doing? What are you trying to do? And God said, Moses, step back. I'm going to take them out. And Moses went in, his, went in his tent and he fell on his face. Him and Aaron both, they just fell on their face. And, and there was a desperateness. They were praying and, and Moses said, Aaron, take this censer immediately. Go. Go into the midst of the people so that there may be atonement made for the people. And God had already started killing them. They were already dying. 14, over 14,000 were already dead. And, and uh, Aaron ran in the midst of them and he uh, pled to the Lord, brought the incense, and God stopped the plague. But you guys, there was an urgency. Have any of you ever seen a thousand people die at once? Can you imagine hearing the screams, hearing that happening? So that had just happened the day before. Now over 14,000 had already died. They're dying because God's smiting them. There was an urgency that grabbed a hold of Moses and Aaron, and they ran and interceded. You guys, after 44 years, there's been a lot of babies lose their lives. The difference is, is we don't see the ground opening and the, the, the raining of fire from heaven. We don't see the, we don't hear the screams. It's a silent scream. And yet I think we have the same urgency. We need to take the same urgency as the body of Christ. To say, God, what, what can we do here to stop this? Now, there is probably, in a, in a group like this, 
typically anywhere we will bring a presentation and talk, there are people that have been affected by abortion. Either you've had one yourself, there's someone in your family who's had one, you're the boyfriend of a girlfriend that you helped, or um, the husband of a wife, or something like that. The awesome thing, you guys, is God is not here to condemn anyone. But he's here to bring hope, healing, and freedom. And that's his heart. That's his desire. So as we go in, as I'm sharing today, the enemy, I can promise you, if you've been linked with that, the enemy's going to come in, and he's going to try to make you feel condemned. And I can promise you, that's not God. And you can just tell him, get out. You don't belong in church. You don't belong in First Baptist Church. Get out, because I'm here to what God has to say. And God speaks kindly to me, and he speaks forgiveness. So, before we go on, just know that if there's condemnation coming on you, it's not from God. God wants to bring hope, healing, and freedom. Amen? So, they're seeing, they saw, and they brought, it brought urgency in their hearts. So what I want to do today, go just one step further. Don't, don't go into the pie chart. Just go one step. Okay, so abortions around the world. A lot of times, we, this is a picture we don't get communicated a lot. So let me ask you a question before we advance anything here. We know that there's about 1.2 million abortions done in uh, the U.S. every year. So on a worldwide pie chart, how big a slice would you say that is? If you were doing a pie chart, what? What percentage would you say that is worldwide? 50%? 80%? 10? Anyone else? 20%. Okay, hit that slide for me. It's 2%. Of all the abortions around the world every year, it's 2%. Now that is nothing to be proud of. But it's to help us grasp what's going on. So in Africa, there's about 4 point something million. Go ahead and hit that next one. You can advance through it. Asia is 20, over 27 million. Europe has actually gone down some. It used to be in the 9 millions but it's about a little under four million now. Latin America uh, makes up about three and a half million, and then the Oceania region is about 100,000, and that's the island areas. Go ahead and go to that next one. And just kind of keep it at that first, keep it at that first, uh, just the title. So yeah, it's over 44 million each year around the world is what we're looking at. Now, how do you get to 44 million? I don't know if you're like I am. I've never seen 44 million. I wouldn't mind seeing 44 million with a few presidents, you know. Um, but I've never seen it, I've never grasped that. So what would it take to get to 44 million lives being lost every year? 
Well, Japan, 1945, it's a pretty uh, symbolic year in Asia and for us. It was the year the first atomic bomb was dropped. Hiroshima in August 6, 1945. And when this one was dropped on Hiroshima, 80,000 people died on impact. Now that, that's a lot of people. But that doesn't equal 44 million. Now, three days later, they dropped another one on Nagasaki. And it killed 40,000 people on impact. Now the total of those two together is 100, about 122 or 120,000 people. Now in New York, September, how many of you guys remember September 11, 2001? I think we all remember that. I remember exactly what I was doing. I remember exactly where I was. Our trade towers were hit, our Pentagon was hit. There was another uh, very grave uh, group of passengers that kept that plane from going into the White House. They, they were thinking that's where it was going, but they didn't know. But they ditched it in a plane in a, in a field in Pennsylvania. Well, on that day, right at 3,000 people died. And we all remember that. We don't remember, really, we've heard about the stuff in World War II and what happened in Japan, but we all remember this one. About 3,000 people died on that day. We don't know how many died on impact. But throughout the day, they said that, you know, they were over through, there's about 3,000. It's like 2,900 and some odd. Let's go on to the next one there. So every, abortions every day around the world, to get to 44 million every day or every year, it's 120,548. So it's like dropping two atomic bombs on our world every day, every week, every month, every year. Now we don't see the physical side effects of the radiation. We don't feel that there's no screams that we hear, but that's the reality. In America every day, it's like having our Twin Towers hit and our Pentagon and the plane being ditched in the field every day, every week, every month, every year for the past 44 years. And you know, because we don't hear the screams, because we don't hear, we don't see the devastation, it's easy to just kind of walk past it, like it didn't happen. But you know, I think God wants to get it in our minds that it is happening. And in our prayer times, that you know what, it is happening. And not just, the children that are losing their lives, but each one of those mothers. You guys, I'm here to tell you, as somebody who's worked in this field since 1990, 
every one of those mothers walked through a very difficult time for the rest of their life until they get a healing approach from God, something that comes through that brings healing and his, his comfort in their lives. Now, some people will, will, it's very subjective, some people will argue with that, say, no, that's not true. Uh, we had a gal that came in, she's had multiple abortions. She comes in, doesn't want to talk, and why do you think she just says, look, I need a pregnancy test, I'm not bothered by it, if I'm pregnant, I'm going to have an abortion, and don't bug me. And some might say it doesn't bother her. And whether it does or not, I don't know. I'm not going to judge that it does. But I know that the vast majority of young women we've talked with and boyfriends involved, it bothers them for the rest of their life. And so the devil comes in and he wants to kill, steal, and destroy. That's his passion. That's his heart. That's his mission. And we as the body of Christ need to see this turned around. Now, I want to share a couple of scriptures with you because I believe it's God's word, you guys, that gives us the direction. It's his word that's the lamp unto our feet, the light to our path, right? So let's look at a couple of scriptures that we all are pretty familiar with. But this is, this is how we get our theology and our philosophy of why we need to be about this business, um, even as the body of Christ. Psalms 139 uh, 13 through 16, it's an incredible scripture because David is basically talking, he's praying to God, he's right journaling, writing this out, going, God, there is no place I can go in the world that you're not there. You know me, you know my innermost being, you know my thoughts. There's no place I can hide from you. I can't get away from you. And I believe he breaks into, in verses 13 through 16, this divine revelation of God's God's involvement in the womb with babies, with children, with lives. In verse 16, he says, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days for me were ordained. They were written in your book before one of them came to be. Now, as a believer and as somebody who's walking with God, what is it? That scripture there tells me. That God's not only involved in planning in the, the uh, verse 13, 14, and 15 talk about his involvement and how he's forming, how he's knitting together. And it's an active part of knitting of that baby in the womb. But it says the days that were ordained for me, they're written in his book. So God's already planning. He's got destiny going on. He's got plans and dreams. He's thinking, okay, yeah, this is an unplanned pregnancy. Or what? You know what? There's a lot of people that, there's a lot of theologians that say David was from an unplanned pregnancy. And that's why his dad didn't call him an LP. When Samuel was in there anointing uh, his sons. Now, I know there's probably a lot of different beliefs on that. And I'm not, it's above my pay grade to explain it. But it's very interesting that here is, if it is someone truly who is an unplanned pregnancy, and God's revealing to him, you know what? I have destiny for you. Even though you weren't brought out into the design that I had originally intended. And I don't, I've met a lot of young kids, uh, a lot of young people who 
They're a product of unplanned pregnancy, and they are incredible people. I mean, God just shines on them. One guy from Alamogordo, who's a missionary right now in China, in a uh, remote place, a very dangerous place, but God has given him such a gift for languages. I mean, he went to Argentina and learned Portuguese in, or Spanish, I think it's Spanish in there. But he was, he was speaking Spanish fluently in six months. And they were like, you know, that's not normal. And now he's speaking a whole other tongue. So he's fluent in these languages. Never went to school for it, just get it. And he was a, he was a person who was brought into the world through an unplanned pregnancy. And that, I, I could just go on and on about young people that I know that God just pours his destiny into and his purposes. It's just a beautiful thing. But all of them were written before one came to be. And then my favorites in Jeremiah, I just thought this was, this is such a great scripture. And it's a great place for us to sink our roots and go, okay, God, if this is true, then a destiny for a child begins even before conception. Jeremiah 1.5, the Lord's speaking to Jeremiah and he says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. So when was it? Before. So before he was even formed in the womb, he knew him. Before you were born, I had set you apart and appointed you as a prophet to the nations. So not only is God looking and dreaming, but he's appointing, he's setting forth, he's, he's calling dreams to pass. And what abortion does, you guys, steals God of the right he has to see his dreams come forth through those people. It's man saying, you know what? This is an inconvenient time for me. And so I'm going to be, I'm going to call the destiny here. I'm going to be the one who calls it to a close. And the thing of it is, is the devil fuels that. He comes in, oh yeah. Yeah, you know, you can't be seen with this baby. What are people going to think? What's going to happen? You know what's so incredible is Jesus came into the world as an Ill illegitimate child by our concept. She wasn't, Mary wasn't married yet, and yet she's pregnant. And it was a holy thing, it was something God did, it was something that was totally righteous in every way, but in the world's eyes, it was wrong. And she was looked down on it most of her life. But I would encourage us to go back to God's word, you guys. I just had a good friend of mine who's been in missions for years. He said, yeah, we're never going to get, you know, abortion taken out. You know, we just need to work on getting um, certain, uh, you know, certain curriculum set up to where there won't be as many. And I was just like, no. I mean, yeah, that's a step. Let's start stepping in, but... Let's never say that we'll never stop the murders in the world and that we're going to quit and give up. I mean, I promise you, if it was your child, if it was your son or daughter, and someone was coming at them to kill them, you would do something to stop them, right? So I just think there's a thing that we have to, instead of 
falling back to the mediocrity. We have to go, God, what is it you want to do? And what can I do? And part of it is voting. Part of it is getting out there and voting. And voting for those people that are going to help end abortion, that are going to help end injustices in our nation. And that's a, that's a big part. Um, another part, though, and this is something we can all do, and this is where I get excited and where I want to go to. That doesn't work, does it? Let's go to that next one. We're going to talk about care and compassion. And Luke uh, 10, 25 through 37 gives us a great, great story to look at and how we can do that. And behold, a certain lawyer stood up. Now, it's, very, it's interesting because I'm not sure exactly where this was. Because the 70, Jesus had just sent out the 70, um, sent them out to witness, evangelize, and pray for the sick, and uh, cast out demons. And they came back, and they're all just excited. And they're like, man, this is awesome. You know, even the demons, you know, uh, obey us. And, man, people were getting saved. People were getting healed. And Jesus, you know, said, man, it's great. And it, the kingdom of God's moving forward. And then he said, but, you know, don't, don't get caught up in that stuff. Get caught up in the thing that your life, your name is written in the book of heaven. And then it says, and behold, a lawyer stood up. So I don't know where this guy was. But he said he took him aside uh, privately and talked to him. But it said, then a certain lawyer stood up and he said, teacher, what did I need to do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, what's written in the law? He said, what, what's your reading of it? And the lawyer answered him and said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said to him, you've answered rightly. Do this and you'll live. Then, wanting to justify himself, he said, uh, well, uh, who, who's my neighbor? And Jesus answered and said, a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance a certain priest came down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite, when he arrived at the place, came and looked, and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan on his journey came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. So he went to him and bandaged up his wounds, pouring oil and wine, and he set him on his donkey and brought him to an inn and took care of him. On the next day when he departed, he took, uh, took out two denarii and uh, gave them to the innkeeper and said to him, take care of him, uh, whatever you spend, when I come back, I'll repay you. So which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the one who fell among thieves? And the lawyer said, the one who showed mercy. And Jesus said, go and do likewise. So a couple of things I just want to look at from the good story of the Good Samaritan. Was first of all, the thing that happened here was the Samaritan, he took notice. Now what does it mean to take notice? Go ahead and go to that next one means to have compassion. 
Go ahead, one more. Because see, the priest saw him, right? It wasn't that he didn't see him. Because the priest saw him. It said also that the Levi saw him and went by and looked. But the Samaritan, he took notice and he saw him and had compassion on him. Now what does that word compassion mean? Because I think in the evangelical church, a lot of times we've gotten to this thing where we feel led. Have you guys ever heard that? Well, I didn't feel it. And I wasn't feeling that I should go help. But we're talking about loving your neighbor as yourself. And compassion. Good old Webster. Sure, I'm glad he was around and that he was fulfilling his destiny. Compassion means concern for the sufferings or the misfortunes of others. That's looking at someone's concern, looking at their suffering, looking at their misfortune, and walking in their shoes and saying, I wonder how that feels. You know, that person needs help. That person needs something. What can I do? The Greek word is to be moved in our inward parts. You know, a lot of times when I've taken steps towards somebody, when I've seen that they're in a uh, situation and I try to go, I wonder what it's like to walk in. I bet that's a tough situation. As you saw from our um, statistics, we saw, uh, not statistics, but appointments, we saw 269 young ladies this year who came in for pregnancy tests. 87% of those were single moms. They were single coming in uh, and needing a pregnancy test, needing someone to be there for them. Um, each one of those girls lives in a neighborhood. Each one of those girls goes to school somewhere or works somewhere, works around people. The thing that fuels abortion in our land, the, the, the strongest, you guys, is fear. Fear of being found out. Fear that someone's going to judge me. Fear that, uh, you know, somebody's not, nobody's going to understand. And what if there was somebody next door to you that you knew where walk, was walking through that? And we could have compassion on them. Say, you know what, I bet that's a tough situation. I bet that's not going to be easy. They need a friend. They need somebody that isn't going to judge them. What we say a lot of times is, um, you know, there's people that, uh, I'll save this one for the next one. Go ahead and go to that next one. So he took notice. The second thing he did that's very interesting is he took action. He didn't just notice and have compassion and say, oh dear, I'm so sorry. God bless you. Hope everything works out. But he took action. What can I do? How can I be there? Is there something you need? I don't know about you, but have you, have you ever gotten a flat on 54 between Tularosa and Carrizozo? Yeah, you're laughing. <laughs> Nobody wants to get a flat on that road, right? Now, let's say you did get a flat on that road. How many of you would want somebody, and, and you get in there and your jack's gone? Or your tire tool's missing? Or maybe it's a newer car and you have to figure it out where it's at. Right. 
and you can't find it. How many of you would want somebody to come along and stop and go, so you got a flat, you know? Wow, where's your jack? Oh, I don't know. Yeah, I'm trying to find it, I can't. Oh, so you're not really prepared. Wow. Well, you know, that's, you know, you really should be a lot more prepared before you come out on this road. And, you know, it's dangerous out here. And there's a lot of things in life that could happen to you out here. How many of you would want that person to continue staying there to help you? You'd say, it's okay, I'll, I'll wait for someone else. You just want to get the tire on and get home, don't you? But you know, that's our job. That's, that's something we can do in, as the body of Christ. We can get in there and take action and say, you know what? What can I do? How, you know, I'm sure this is a tough situation. Is there anything you might need? You know, one of the greatest deterrents to abortion we found is hope. You know what? You're not in this alone. Somebody wants to help you. We want to help you. But even as the body of Christ, God wants to help you. And, and, and I'm here. So I must be the person he wants to help you. What can we do? And I think a lot of times we don't want to be that person. <laughs> We're like, man, I got so much on my plate already. Oh my goodness, you know, how am I going to do anything? But it'd be amazed sometimes just what little things will do to deter that hopelessness. You know, that person was so nice to me. Maybe God hasn't given up on me. Maybe, you know, yeah, maybe this wasn't the best situation. This you know, I could have done things different, but maybe there's hope. And you guys, we can all, God calls us to be ambassadors of hope, doesn't he? He does. If you have a, if you have a doubt, he does. And thirdly, he not only took notice, and he not only took action, but he also took the bill. He went to the innkeeper. He brought him in and said, hey, look, you know, this, this person really needs help. What can I do to help? I'm going to help him uh, nurture him and stuff, but here's some money that's going to cover your cost. And, you know, I think a lot of times we're, we're, especially in America these days, we're in this program mindset that there has to be something out there that will take care of this. And somebody's going to jump in and take care of it. But what happens a lot of times, you guys, is we shirk our responsibility to be those that are saying, you know what, what can we do to be a part of seeing this change in our nation? And instead of, and I love David Platt, he has a book out called Radical. And he says, you know, when we're looking at winning the world for Christ, and if we would take a, stand, a stance of what's it going to take rather than what can I spare, it would take a radical change how we approach things. But like with helping young women in unplanned pregnancies in our, in our society, in our city, are we looking at, okay, well, I can spare a little bit here, a little bit there, a little bit of time, you know, a little touch, but, but if we took a stance of what's it going to take? And that's what this good Samaritan did. That's part of Jesus' lesson here. This guy, didn't, he said, what's it going to take to get this guy back and get him well? Those are some things you and I can do right now today with young women in unplanned pregnancy in our city. 
If you, if you attend high school, I can promise you there's girls in your high school that are walking through an unplanned pregnancy. If they're not walking through an unplanned pregnancy, there's multiple ones that are walking through relationships that could get them there quick. And how can we help them? How can we be there to be an example for them? And to help them, you know, be a friend that maybe that's not a road they need to take. So the lawyer, Jesus, is, Jesus came back with a charge. And he's, he asked the question. He said, so which one was the neighbor? And the lawyer said, well, the one, the one that showed mercy. Jesus' charge was, well, go and do likewise. And that's my charge today, not only for you, but for me too, to continue in that and to be that person that takes notice has that compassion, that takes action, and that looks to take the bill. It says, Lord, what can I do? Is there a responsibility I have to help in this? Um, coming up January, or, uh, January 24th on a Tuesday, we're going to, Jane is putting together a volunteer training. If people would like to come and help at that inn where girls come, to uh, get healing and, and get some understanding. Go ahead and flip to that next one. Um, one more. One more. There we go. Um, Tuesday, January 24th, 9 to 2 p.m. And it's going to be at the Pregnancy Health Center, which is right on the corner of 13th and White Sands. Uh, we would love to have you come and um, just like our sister said back there, you don't have to have a lot of experience to be there. You can come and Jane will train and, and teach you. There's some that, um, like if being there for the unplanned pregnancy and the realization that the test is positive, that could be a little tense for some folks. But uh, it's actually a life-changing time um, for both the girl and the volunteer a lot of times because you just get to be there and minister God's hope to them. But we also need uh, workers who would come in and just say, I want to be in the, in the mentoring program, go through material with them, be able to maybe share experience with them. Uh, a lot of times, a lot of the times the girls that are coming through, they're from broken families and they don't have any positive input on how to raise children, how to get through life, how to do just practical things. So we would, uh, if that's of interest to you, we would love to have you participate in that. And again, that's Tuesday, January 24th. 9 a.m. to 2 p.m. And you can call, if you'll call Jane and just let her know that you're coming and she's in the phone book or on the website as well. And that's what we do at the Pregnancy Health Center. We want to offer God's hope and his future to young women in unplanned pregnancy and invest in tomorrow's families today. Amen. I'm going to turn it back over to you, Pastor. Obviously, you need people, right? You, 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 need, you need volunteers, always. And, and you're a nonprofit, which means you're just swimming in money all the time, right? So, uh, so you need, all these things take funds, too. That's correct. Right? To, to yeah. keep stuff open. Um, so one of, the, one of the simplest ways that you can support the Pregnancy Help Center is by shopping at King's Treasure. That, that's why go. it's there. That's right. Um, and, and, <laughs> um, and, and let me tell you, man, I, I've seen a lot of thrift stores. 
Um, I've, I've bought a lot of clothes from thrift stores, and, and that's one of the best I've ever seen. Um, and, and here in, in Cloudcroft as well, so I just haven't been the one in Cruise this yet. But um, you, you run a good, it's a good business, and I know that generates a lot of income. But you also take just checks and donations, that's and, right? Yeah. Send millions. So, okay. Yeah. yeah so. <laughs> All right, good. Uh, what else do you need? Um, you know, a lot of the, uh, uh, I think just volunteers and having that community touch. Um, even younger folks, you know, a lot of the ladies who have been, there's kind of almost a generation gap um, where people that are 60 and up were very involved in the, uh, sorry, I could have handed you my <laughs> I turned it off, sorry. But, um, you know, the, it's almost like 60 and up have really owned this and have been involved in doing pregnancy health center ministries for years and years, but because of the younger generation, and we've just always lived it, that you don't see those volunteers come in. And if you do, it's very short-lived. It's not like, well, okay, well, you know, but um, it really is mentoring and it's investing in the lives of people. Um, and, and, you know, there's, we had one gal that came uh, at one of our banquets. Well, I spoke at a church last year and this gal, she was probably 20, 26, came up to Jane and said, you know, my mom was thinking of having an abortion 26 years ago. And I'm here now, and I have three kids. I'm a registered nurse. She probably takes care of some, some of you at Gerald Champion. And, um, but she said my mom was being pushed by her family to have an abortion, and she was considering it. And I'm here today because the Pregnancy Health Center was there. That's the type of thing, you might not see it every day, but you see it enough that, I mean, 270 young women came through the center last year. And even the mentoring program really, it just invests a lot in the lives. And it's really bringing up, a lot of the girls that are gonna have those children here, they're gonna raise their children here. And so it's an incredible way to invest in the families of tomorrow. So uh, that is, as he said, it's Tuesday the 24th. Um, so, so maybe, as, as he said, and as, as we are all probably aware, um, there are probably some in here that that, that hits close to. It's, uh, the, statistically speaking, one in three women will have an abortion. Um, so, I mean, it, it's something that hits close to home. So maybe you've experienced that in your own life, in your own family, and, and people that you know. And, and one of my favorite quotes that, that Rick Warren has said is, God never wastes a hurt. And the, those things that Satan would use in, in our past or in the lives of those around us to cause, um, to cause guilt and shame, God can turn around and, and use it to serve and minister and to, to help, um, help a young lady walking through a similar circumstance that either you yourself have experienced or someone close to you has and, and can be an encouragement to them. So uh, maybe, maybe you're interested in, in being a part of that volunteer program. If so, uh, you can talk to Stan or, of course, um, contact Jane at the, at the Pregnancy Help Center. I'm going to ask our ushers to come forward, and I'm going to go ahead and, and as they're doing that, uh, as, as they're coming, I'm going to pray for us. I'm going to pray for Stan, and I'm going to go ahead and pray for the offering as well. Um, so, so join me in prayer. Father, we thank you for this morning. I thank you so much for uh, making Stan available, for calling him and Jane to Alan Gordo, 
to this very needed ministry in our community. I thank you for the lives that they're impacting. And, and not just, even though they see, they see multiple women choose life rather than abortion, but I thank you that, it, that it's, not just a, it's not just a social ministry, but it's tied to the gospel. And every, every girl who walks through that door has the opportunity to hear about a God who loves her, doesn't condemn her, loves her, and wants, wants to see her experience true life in you. And so I pray that First Baptist Church will be a champion, will be a support for the Pregnancy Help Center. And I pray that in, that in many ways we can come alongside and serve with the, the Pregnancy Center. Will you take our offerings now and use them uh, for your kingdom work here in our church and beyond. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.